I'm Debbie Georgiatis. Welcome to my show, America Can We Talk? Today, we're going to talk about the New York Times slams God on Easter, Texas busing illegals to DC, stunt or strategy, schools snooping on parents, uh, communist influence operations explained, this is really important to understand, and Durham is diving deeper, getting close to Hillary Clinton. And of course, I'll tell you why these stories matter to you. Stay tuned. On America Can We Talk, I talk about election integrity, border security, health care freedom, race relations, energy and tax policy, education policy, free speech and assembly, freedom of religion, and all other issues that touch on the God-given right of every American to life, liberty, and the pursuit of their version of happiness. Stay tuned. And hello again and welcome to America Can We Talk and to today's First Five. I'm Debbie Georgiatis. There was a New York Times piece, I actually think it was on Friday, uh, that was really a slamming of God. And it was not their own, it wasn't, didn't purport to be an article, it was an op-ed. But I want to tell you briefly what it said and tell you why it is so significant that New York Times chose to run this on uh, during the, the holiest season of the Christian year, the Easter season, leading up Good Friday was Friday and then as you know, yesterday, Sunday was Easter, uh, and also during Passover, one of the most significant and deeply meaningful, I guess they're all meaningful, but holidays in the Jewish calendar. So in this op-ed, the New York Times ran, this man, this author, uh, who had written a book, um, is formerly, it was raised in a Jewish faith and left the Jewish faith. His name is Shalom Ostlander. That is his name, Shalom Ostlander. And he wrote a book called Foreskin's Lament, a memoir. And he basically bitterly recounts his Orthodox Jewish upbringing and how he really is so glad to have left that and become a strident atheist. And one line he had in there was, in this time, he's talking about Passover, in this time of war and violence, of oppression and suffering, I propose we pass over something else, colon, God. I want to tell you why I think that's significant. Everyone in America is free to choose their religion, change their religion, have no religion at all. I mean, obviously in America, you really under the First Amendment, the freedom of religion, you can be anything you want. It's also true that the communist ideology, the Marxist leftist ideology that has just a chokehold on today's American left is profoundly anti-God. In fact, socialist and communist countries are profoundly anti-religious uh, in communist China today. They still, even though they say, oh, we're much more tolerant, we have some churches after all, they still literally knock down churches with wrecking balls, arrest Christians. It happens around the world. Anti-God attitudes go right with the atheism of and, and the leftism of today's American left. And the reason, and I'm, I'm telling you this for a very important reason, in fact, if you get my newsletter, my weekly newsletter that you can get at our show, in fact, you get it by going to our website, americacanwetalk.org, and just sign up, hit subscribe to get our weekly newsletter. I talked about this in my weekly column to you. You can also read the weekly column at our website, americacanwetalk.org. The basic point is when you look at countries like China, where we have right now the horror going on in Shanghai, where residents are literally trapped in their government-issue high-rise, horrible buildings that they must live in. They're not allowed out because of an, a profoundly, overly restrictive ruling by the Communist Party due to COVID. There are, people are locked in their homes. There have been videos, and I 
I think I didn't actually play it on the show, but I could, but many of you have probably seen them, videos of people literally opening their windows at night in these high-rises and screaming in, in, out of anguish. They are like trapped zoo animals. They're being treated like trapped animals. And I raise this point to say you have to contrast that with what we understand to be in America our God-given rights. America's founding, the Declaration of Independence, uh, the whole notion that man, everyone's equal, that we're all created by our, our creator. We didn't just happen to evolve from stardust. And that we have rights from God to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness simply because we're born. That mentality is rooted in the idea of America. It is and should have been still today taught, but was taught for, decade, for decades to young people. As you went through school, you learned this is one of the many unique and great things about America, that you have God-given rights. And the government, these are not rights the government decide you can have. You have these because you were born, because you're created by God. And that mentality of we have rights because we exist is central to the promise of the, of the entire Bill of Rights and certainly of the, of the Declaration of Independence promise of life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness. Nothing like that exists in China. Nothing. And in other communist countries, no notion of you having inherent rights. You have only what the government decides that week, that day, that you get to have. And the government has the authority to take them away, and you have no recourse. So tying back the New York Times and what they are doing, the New York Times is part of the anti-American, anti uh, anti-freedom, anti-American uh, concept that has just swept this nation. New York Times is part of the ideological left. And one reason the ideological left in America is so anti-religious is because that spirit of freedom that is instilled in the hearts and minds of millions of people because of their understanding of that idea that they have rights from God, that spirit of freedom is just is a boulder in the road against what the left would like to do to everyone in America, which is to control their lives much more than our Constitution allows them to do. Leftists want to control your life and every aspect of your life, and that spirit of freedom in America stands in their way. This is why leftists are so anti-religious. It, it, because the very culture of belief in your rights, simply because you were born, simply because you're, uh, you have God-given rights because you exist, that stands in the way of the left's desire to control your life. Leftists in this world over, every time they tried to take control of a country, among the first things they did, arrest the pastors, arrest the priests, tear down the churches, outlaw religion. It is what communists do. It's what they do. It's not because it's a fluky, bizarre thing they happen to do. It's because they recognize the power of religious faith and faith held by the people as, a, as an enemy of the state to be destroyed. That's how they think. It's why Barack Obama, when he was interviewed, I actually think it was when he was running for Senate in Illinois, but in any case, he talked about the Constitution. Barack Obama does not like our Constitution. He said so. He deplores the idea of the Constitution and said specifically, the Constitution is a charter of negative liberties. And try to make an intellectual sounding critique. All he meant was the Constitution's guarantee of rights to individual citizens 
makes it too hard for the policies he, the radical leftist Barack Obama, wanted to impose on this world. So back to New York Times. If there's ever an outlet that is trying very hard to push the anti-American, anti-freedom, leftist agenda, it is the New York Times to seize on the opportunity to publish an anti-God screed by some pathetic, angry atheist on the weekend before Easter and during Passover is not coincidental. It is part of their ideological mission, the ideological mission of the anti-American New York Times to chip away at, to mock, to ridicule, to encourage, to ridicule athe uh, ridicule faith, ridicule Christians, ri ridicule Americans of the Jewish faith, mock faith, mock the existence of God, and give more and more credence to the anti-American atheist movement. Atheism in America is not simply a movement of people who choose not to believe in God. Atheism in America is a political anti-American movement designed to take away your rights. And that, my very fine friends, is today's First Five. I want to welcome our radio listeners. Also, you're listening to America Can We Talk. My name is Debbie Georgiatis. Our show is called America Can We Talk. You can find it online at americacanwetalk.org. Anything I'm saying here today, I always, in every show, I post a list of links that you can go to our website and on the very homepage of the website, uh, you can, you can uh, under shows, drop down list of links. You can read the articles that I'm making reference to today. But I really want to make that point, and I hope that really resonates with you and you recognize what the New York Times agenda is. It's not just a report on an interesting book some atheists wrote. It's very, very much tied to their anti-American agenda. I want to turn, though, and talk about something happening in the great state of Texas. Um, if you're a new listener, you may not know I live in the great state of Texas. We're here in Dallas, Texas. And um, in Texas, our governor, Governor Abbott, is getting a lot of positive uh, coverage for something he recently decided to do. We have in the Texas, we have the longest border between an American state. I mean, the yeah, longest border between an American state and Mexico. Uh, we have a massively porous southern border. And as we've been over on the show many times, the Biden administration, it is like an affirmative policy. They will not enforce the border. We'll get to reasons for that in just a moment. But what I want to mention first was, so Abbott's getting some praise uh, um, for his plan. He's now offering people who cross into Texas illegally the option, uh, he can't force them, the option to get on a bus and go up and be dropped off in Washington, D.C. So a lot of people are saying, yeah, yeah, that's really great, you know. And I will tell you, the tiny little benefit it offers is that I think for people who live in uh, not border states, people who live in states pretty far from the southern border, you may not fully appreciate the problem that a porous border creates. We have zero border enforcement by the Obama administration, excuse me, by the Biden administration. And I say zero. They still employ people and they still occasionally catch people, but it's just a porous border. They're, they are deliberately failing to adequately fund and staff border security. And they are, they got rid of on day one of Joe Biden being sworn in, got rid of all these great policies in place that had actually acted under the Trump administration to curb massive pouring over the border. So if you live in some inland state and you're not really that concerned about the border um, situation, and, it, and it's not just obviously not just in Texas, California, Arizona, New Mexico, and Texas. But if you're not concerned about it, I think some people go, some people think, well, this is good. 
this policy that Abbott has, because he's sending them up there, and look, they're going to show them. We show America, you know, what, what's going to happen now? And so it's kind of a, you know, putting it in the administration's face that they are refusing to enforce the border, so we're sending up some of our border people there. I, had, I sent a clip to Mr. Becker. Uh, this is a brief comment that our Governor Abbott had to make explaining what he was doing in terms of taking people who crossed into America illegally and putting them on buses and sending them up to Washington. Crossing the border from Mexico into Texas. And at this time, I'm going to sign my directive to Colonel McCraw, the director of the Texas Department of Public Safety. to get that project underway immediately for the zero tolerance and the inspections that will be taking place. Second, to help local officials whose communities are being overwhelmed by hordes of illegal immigrants who are being dropped off by the Biden administration, Texas is providing charter buses to send these illegal immigrants who have been dropped off by the Biden administration to Washington, D.C. We are sending them to the United States Capitol where the Biden administration will be able to more immediately address the needs of the people that they are allowing to come across our border. To get that going, I'm going to send a letter to Chief Nim Kidd with the Texas Division of Emergency Management who will be in charge of this operation. Okay, so that was our Governor Abbott and he is, I mean, I will give him uh, this much credit because at least has gotten some publicity and it's gotten some people thinking, yeah, you know, what is the uh, problem here? Why isn't um, the federal government actually enforcing the border as we have hordes of people crossing the border? But the next thing I want to play is very quickly Jen Psaki, who is the, I think, soon to be replaced, but she is currently the White House spokesperson, was asked about this. You know, what do you do with all these folks? Here's what she had to say. The last one on this. Now that the Texas governor is saying that he's going to start busing border crossers to Washington, D.C., when they get here, are you guys going to help them find a place to stay and something for them to do? Well, I'm not aware of what authority uh, the governor would be doing that under. I think it's pretty clear this is a publicity stunt. His own uh, office admits that a migrant would need to voluntarily uh, be transported, um, and then he can't compel them to because, again, enforcement of our country's immigration laws lies with the federal government, not a state. Washington, D.C.? Well, listen, I don't know, but I know that the governor of uh, Texas or any state does not have the legal authority to compel anyone to get on a bus. Okay. As we said, practicing law, objection, non-responsive, move to strike her answer. The question was, what are they going to do? What's Bi- what is going to happen to these people? What's Biden going to do with all these illegals? And she answers, well, Abbott doesn't have the authority to do that. Number one, he's not forcing them. He's offering it to them. And so, her, her, obviously, in, in many, many ways, she's just obtuse and fails to answer questions she doesn't want to answer because they have no answer. They have the same problem we are going to have and states all across the southern part of America and, frankly, all over America as the illegal immigrants get brought in more and more. The answer is they don't know what to do with them. They have no idea. So her answer is just, just totally non-responsive. But I want to make the point what's really ha- what's, what's the, uh, the kind of background of this. So right now... Up until very recently, there was in place a uh, provision that uh, that uh, a law that permitted the federal government to use as one reason to reject people who cross the border illegally was a concern about the spread of COVID. And so now you have the federal government has actually said, yeah, you know what, we've decided 
We're dropping Title 42. We're not going to worry about this COVID thing anymore. That's no longer an excuse to send people back to Mexico. There's another clip I sent Mr. Becker. We're in a quick play. Uh, that is, there you go. This is at the border. This is at the border. This is the river at the border. Migrants almost drowned crossing illegally through the Rio Grande River. These are the scenes that play out every day in Eagle Pass, Texas. The constant flow of migrant groups crossing illegally into South Texas keeps Border Patrol busy 24-7 and resources tied up. And officials only expect the situation to get worse with the Biden administration ending Title 42 next month. The, the current is a little bit stronger. As you can see, there's, there's some debris coming down right now in the river. And you never know. I mean, what I'm keeping my, my, my eyes out for is not to be gruesome but in case we have any deceased coming down the river, but because we do encounter them uh, every every couple of days, every other day. So, and the numbers are gonna rise. If Title 42 goes away, we're gonna have more tragedies down here. Sources tell the Daily Caller between 7,000 to 10,000 migrants are living in the Mexican town of Pedras Negras, waiting until May 23rd before crossing illegally into Eagle Pass, Texas. We spoke to a Honduran migrant that was recently deported under Title 42 and is now living in Pedras Negras, waiting for Title 42 to come to an end before crossing again. <laughs> Entonces los llevó Border Patrol y los procesó. No, bueno, no, rapidito y siete días veníamos invitados para que nomás. ¿Y les dieron algún documento o alguna no, razón nada. por qué los estaban regresando? No, para nada. Nomás que estaba el artículo 42 y que sin eso no podíamos tener permiso. ¿Y, y ahora que están aquí en Piedras Negras, cuál es el plan de ustedes? ¿Qué es lo que piensan hacer? Pues esperar un poco. Pues, supuestamente se va a abrir ese, ese artículo 42. Ya no va a estar, ¿verdad? Okay, these people understand exactly what the Biden administration is doing. They're extending a further invitation for them to come, Amer come to America, taking a, uh, a stance that says, well, you know, technically maybe Title 42 uh, isn't required anymore. I want to really hit this point. I know many of you listening to my show think we've talked about this before, but please understand what we are watching unfold before our very eyes. We are watching an invasion. This is an invasion. It doesn't happen to be an invasion that was orchestrated by a government. It's not, you know, uh, Mexico invading America. It's not any other country. But it is nonetheless a recognizable invasion. And as we talked about on this show last week, we had one guest with us last week, I think it was on Tuesday or Wednesday, Wade Miller. Wade Miller, brilliant guy, works in Washington, D.C. The, at the Center for Renewing America. And he went through the constitutional provisions that essentially allow states to say, if the federal government doesn't protect us, the states have the right to repel an invasion. This is exactly what we are watching. This is an invasion, which takes me back to why Governor Abbott's efforts are so minimally, uh, minimally effective and, and not nearly enough to be doing. If he were an actual leader, if we had strong leaders in these southern border states, we, in California, they let all the illegal immigrants they want. They're, they're so leftist, they don't even care if we have a country. But for those states that have a southern border and actually care about the sovereignty of America, it's long past the time for all these governors to declare an invasion and to act accordingly, to use every available troop we have including uh, we, uh, entities and troops we haven't even sent to the, uh, the border in Texas yet to repel this invasion. It is, I hate to agree with Jen Psaki and anything, 
but it's mostly a political stunt that Governor Abbott's engaged in. It's mostly a stunt. It's getting attention. Maybe a few people who did not yet realize that the Biden administration has abandoned the southern border are now saying, wow, look at all these people. I didn't know that the Biden administration wasn't enforcing the border. Maybe it's helped a tiny bit, like some people didn't know this. But for the most part, what Abbott is doing is a, it is a stunt because he has a far more effective recourse, a far more long-term effective, impactful recourse, which is to go along with the idea of declaring an invasion, that America has been invaded, that Texas has been invaded, and we're going to use all available troops. There has been a very tepid response by this governor for a long time. Only now is he's worried about his fall re-election, chances. I think he's still going to win handily. We, we are already through our primaries here in Texas, and, and Greg Abbott is a Republican candidate. For, he's the incumbent and the candidate to be the governor again. And I, I think most people assume he'll easily beat Beto O'Rourke, but he is kind of trying to beef up his credentials, his uh, conservative credentials, and say, oh yeah, yeah, me, I'm tough on the border. And so a stunt of sending them up to Washington, D.C. doesn't prove much of anything at all deciding to declare an invasion. I know that there is now a request having been sent to our Texas State Attorney General, Ken Paxton, asking him to issue that finding, issue that we now in Texas, we have met the standard for an invasion, to declare we have an invasion, and then for the governor to take executive action in response to that. This is what is needed. All this cutesy, stuntsy, you know, stunt kind of things, sticking people in buses and sending them around. It's really nothing very different than what the Biden administration is doing. In fact, the Biden administration has very recently begun, again, secretly putting people into smaller airports at night. So, you know, they're not at big airports where maybe the media would notice or the public would notice flying people around the country, dropping them off in, in other places because this invasion is happening and the Biden administration is really doing the same thing Abbott's doing, which is spending taxpayer dollar flying and driving or busing these people around the country. It's not doing anything to stop the numbers of illegal immigrants entering America. The only way to stop the number of illegal immigrants entering America is to have a force at the border that actually will not permit the crossings, sends everybody back. That is what Abbott needs to be doing. He should be called on by the legislature and by the political leaders around this state to say, get on board with the actual grown-up adult serious response, declare an invasion, and get in this fight to defend Texas. I will tell you that also Governor Abbott has presidential ambitions. I know right now all he's focused on is getting reelected again uh, at the end of this year, 2022. Very much has presidential ambitions. Um, he wouldn't be my first, second, or third choice uh, if he were to, to uh, seek the Republican nomination because much of what we've observed him do in Texas is always kind of uh, me too after Governor DeSantis of Florida does something great or some other Republican governor does, he steps up. I think Governor Abbott sadly is a little bit too uh, complicit with or um, immersed in the whole effort of the Chamber of Commerce who want to have more and more illegal aliens in America, who don't want strong border enforcement. So Governor Abbott's got his, you know, he's got his fingers and his in too many pots, I think, to really take the strong stand like President Trump did when he actually began to enforce the border. But so Governor Abbott, I, I, you know, I guess the, the stunt is pretty much over.
time to declare an invasion, uh, it really matters. I want to spend the last a few minutes of this segment telling you about the other aspect of all of what uh, President Biden is doing. I mentioned to you a couple weeks ago, my husband and I were at a dinner where the Lieutenant Governor of Texas, Dan Patrick, spoke. And among the things he was talking about was how many people in America, what percentage of people living in America will be illegal aliens I mean, have no legal right to be here by the time Biden runs for a second term, which, by the way, I don't think Biden's going to run for a second term, but whatever. By 2024, what percentage of people in America will be illegal aliens? It is something like 20% of the American population. Please process that number. Something like 20%, 2 in 10 one out of five of people you see every day will be illegal aliens. And, and, and Lieutenant Governor Dan Patrick's point was that this is an army of future voters for the Democrat Party. The Democrat is not, Democrats are not just you know, lazy about the border or worried about how expensive border enforcement is. It is not a question of didn't realize how many people come flooding in if we abandon Title 42, didn't realize this army of people would be coming here. They know all of that. Everything the Democrats are doing is very, 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 very intentional. They are trying to lure more people across the southern border to enter America. I agree with Governor Dan Patrick that the one overarching and decades-long motive for the Democrat Party is to turn these people into future Democrat voters, to wait until the time that Democrats have control of the House and the Senate and the White House and do a massive amnesty plan with the plan they will then have a, a Democrat voting majority base for decades to come. But I think it's even worse than that. Awful as that is, and, and outrageous, and, and unethical, and, and offensive as, as that motive would be, there's also another motive. You all may have heard about the uh, communist uh, professors in America, Cloward and Piven, and they, they were husband and wife, and they wrote the Cloward Piven, they wrote what became to be called the Cloward Piven strategy. And they're basically talking about how can communism take over America? How are we going to accomplish this? I mean, we can't just have, you know, a communist army invade. That won't work. So Cloward Piven strategy was a actual written out, studied, uh, you can look it up yourself, strategy with the idea of that the way you can expand, massively expand government power over otherwise free Americans, you can bring communism in, is to intentionally create chaos around the country, chaos in the homeland, chaos by government policies that just simply, they know the policies won't work, they understand the policies will create chaos, and once you have that chaos and people are clamoring because they can't get, I don't know, they get to a food shortage where we seem to be headed right now, we get to a massively dangerous, dangerous, horrible economy where we already are, massive inflation, where we have things costing too much, gasoline, food prices, for the average family to continue functioning on the budget they currently could live on. People cannot function on the budget their families used to having at this time because of inflation. 
So chaos created by the inflation policies, by, which are being driven by the massive spending policies by the Democrats, got massive spending, you have massive scary level inflation, you have a completely abandoned border, so chaos in the streets, uh, and, and, and literally on top of that, the defunding of the police, the weakening of the, the uh, police departments, the uh, weakening of Americans' military, we are watching the cloward Piven strategy play out in America in front of our eyes. What the left is doing is not unintentionally failed policies. The other big policy the left is engaged in has to do with the way they're weakening America's military. Weakening America's military so that instead of training, instead of working on things like, you know, learning more war strategy, uh, learning about new weapons and how to use them, honing their skills on the use of weaponry, honing their strategic skills in warfare, teaching them new ideas they've had, teaching them about how you become a better and better warrior. Our military is now dedicated to discussing pronouns, transgender rights, hurt feelings, urging our society to become one, which we turn each other in. We are watching the cloward Piven strategy right in front of our faces. We're watching intentional chaos be created in America. That is the overarching and larger reason the left is permitting the southern border to be unenforced. I'll tell you a quick number on the southern border, by the way. Uh, the estimates are once Title 42 goes away, just in Texas, we're going to have 18,000 migrants a day cross into Texas. We're already talking about millions having entered since the Biden administration came into office and does nothing to enforce the border. For our listeners on radio, I want to make sure you know my name is Debbie Georgiatis. The show is America Can We Talk. The website is americacanwetalk.org. If you're listening on radio, on Roku, wherever you're listening, please know that you're about to go off on a three-minute bottom-of-the-hour break. After those three minutes, I'll be right here still talking to you. We have a whole other half an hour to go, so don't go away. And also, after this show or any other time, go to our website, americacanwetalk.org, and there you'll be able to read our, our newsletters, read our Why It Matters, find out past guests, find out who's coming up. So go there and sign up for our newsletter. So, my friends, I'm going to continue on this. I, I think on this border thing, I, if you take away anything, anything from the show today on the border, it is that you are watching an intentional policy played out. You are not watching what the left is trying to convince you to think that you're watching. You are not watching anything like the, um, a plan with, with a good purpose in mind. You are, you are watching the intentional destruction of America. Okay. So on this little time when we have our radio people gone, I'm going to do a quick segment on school snooping on parents. And I sent this, um, a, just a one-page sheet, uh, Mr. Becker. Uh, it was something handed out in a class. Now, I'm going to tell you that I know that's hard to read, but that's from a tweet called Inside the Classroom is the name of the tweet. Uh, and and the, uh, it is essentially uh, a picture that a student took. Um, of a tweet, of an assignment in class. And they, they, they posted that assignment with the notion that um, they took a picture of a handout in class saying basically um, that we are, um, that, you know, these are, uh, that appear to be a real assignment. And in this assignment, which if you can't read it, I'm going to tell you some of the questions. This is in Gross Point, Michigan, some of the questions that, that, was, that were actually posed and handed out in the class. For example, questions. Um, how many people live in your house? Um, 
Do you live with both your parents? If not, with whom do you live? Explain why you don't live with your parents. Do you attend a church or re on a regular basis? If yes, write the name of the church. If no, explain not. How many bedrooms are in the house where you live? Has anyone in your family ever been accused of a crime? Accused of a crime um, or convicted of a crime? If yes, please explain. Have you ever been in trouble at school? If yes, explain what you did wrong to get you into trouble. Do the adults in your home regularly vote in elections? If yes, for which political party, Democrat, Republican, or other, do they usually vote? And so the questions go on like that. Okay, you can take that down now. The questions go on like that. They are astonishingly intrusive, inappropriate. So this was actually handed out in a class of high school students in Gross Point, Michigan. One girl, or boy, I don't know, student, took a picture and put it out. It's gone viral on the internet. I will tell you that the school put out a statement saying that the assignment uh, was never meant to actually be handed out. That the assignment, I mean, the teacher meant to hand out the piece of paper, but the teacher was making a point about McCarthyism, just talking about how bad it is and what it could look like if the government became as intrusive as it did during the time of the McCarthy hearings. And so it was trying to get a reaction. Now, this is the school district's explanation. The assignment was handed out to get a reaction from the students saying, hey, wait a minute, you can't do that. Mind your own business. You can't ask me that. And the school is saying, yes, it was just uh, handed out to make a point about McCarthyism. I'll just say this about that. I am thrilled if that is truth. If that's the truth, that's a great answer. So welcome back to our radio listeners. We are discussing the, the um, handout given out in Gross Point, Michigan, uh, to high school students basically asking all sorts of amazingly intrusive questions uh, about these kids' uh, homes, where their parents went to church, where they go, why don't, or why don't they go to church, or just amazing, you know, intrusive questions. The school district has said it wasn't an assignment intended to be answered. It was handed out to prompt a discussion to explain to kids why McCarthyism was so wrong. And that's, you know, that, that could be a good explanation. I don't know what's true, but that is the school's answer. But I do know the school's kind of admitting what a lot of conservatives are saying, which is we want the schools to stay out of the personal lives and the family lives of their students. For the same reason, this teacher should not have been handing out something implying that kids are going to have to explain whether their parents ever got arrested or how they vote or anything else about their personal lives. Schools should not be hassling children about their sexual orientation, their thoughts about the LGBTQ community, what they think about transgenderism, luring young children into thinking maybe they are transgender if the school plants a seed of doubt. For the same reason the school should not be handing out this allegedly uh, uh, McCarthy lesson, they should stay out of the personal business of families between parents and children about their children's sexuality. And you know, we're, we've, we're so far down the rabbit hole in this issue that the idea that schools should just get the heck out of all of that talk, all of that you know, exploration of every single new LGBTQ agenda item and actually stick to teaching topics for which schools were intended, such as reading, writing, arithmetic, chemistry, biology, actual studies, of areas of academic study, and stay out of sexual prop propagandizing of children. This would be a better world. So I hope that assignment was fake, was not a true story, and I think the school should take a big lesson from it and stay the heck out of all the issues that really belong between parents and their children. Schools have no business trying to sexually propagandize children. Okay, I want to tell you something. This is a little bit deep. I'm going to warn you ahead of time, but 
Last week on my show, I had on a woman on Thursday. If you did not see the show from last Thursday, uh, you, my interviewee, my guest was a woman named She Van Fleet. It's a woman, first name is XI, pronounced She, She Van Fleet. She's the woman many of you likely saw if you were following all of the uh, postings online on YouTube and everywhere of parents showing up at school board meetings and challenging the schools about critical race theory, CRT, critical race theory, a lot of the school parents challenging the transgender advocacy agenda of public schools. But this woman, She Van Fleet, was a, uh, is, is a mom in Loudoun County, Virginia. Her child had actually graduated from high school, but she went and testified before the Loudoun County School District to basically say that what the, the anti-American left is doing, what the school is doing under critical race theory, what they're teaching is exactly the kind of thing, just exactly what Mao Zedong did during his murderous reign during the Cultural Revolution. She, Xi Van Fleet, grew up in China under Mao Zedong. She was in kindergarten when he came along. She went through her high school years as he was leading the country, leading what was the most brutal, barbarous, murderous, horrible time in communist China. And it's still horrible there today. But the Cultural Revolution was put in place by Mao Zedong and did exactly the same kind of things, says Xi Van Fleet, as the uh, American left is doing today. Critical race theory, divide the country by race, pit them against each other, convince them to hate each other, you know, divide them all by race, urge people to turn each other in. She went through on our show last Thursday a litany, a list of ways in which the, what Mao Zedong did in China is exactly what, like what the American left is doing to America today. If you didn't see the show, I urge you to go back and listen. It was fabulous. But what I want to get around to was one point she's making is communist ideology was, has always intended to be spread. The communists in China, and they have had this, this thought about themselves, you know, for decades since communists came along, communism came along, they weren't just choosing communism for China, or they weren't just inflicting it barbarously on their own people, but they were intending to spread communism. And she made reference to the idea of the long march through the institutions. If you're not familiar with this idea, it was the idea recognized by early Marxists here in America and actually made reference back to it. A Chinese leader had used that expression previously. But the point of it was that to get communism into the American country, culture, society, and government, you had to make a, an ideological march through the institutions. You had to begin to persuade various arenas of public thought in America about the virtues of communism. And so they set about trying to get the universities, which of course the, the communists have won that one with very, very few exceptions. America's universities, even those publicly funded, are largely in their political science departments, history departments, and most other areas of academic study filled with radical Marxist, socialists, and communists. It is the assumption people can make about professors. It is the worry parents have when they send the kids off to school. The kids are going to get somehow indoctrinated by the communist Marxist agenda, which has filled the institutions, the academic institutions. But the long march of the institutions was not just the idea of academics. As she said, as she Van Fleet said last Thursday on the show, 
It has made this communist, ideological, very intentional and purposeful infiltration of America has made its way to every aspect of American society. And because the communists didn't put on a particular color uniform and invade or drop bombs or, you know, start shooting off, uh, you know, machine guns in the streets, because they did not engage in this invasion in that way, many people didn't see it. She is trying to wave the flag. She eventually is trying to wave the red flag, wake up, wake up, danger, the communist ideologies all around us. The long march of the institutions is one at one uh, explanation. You can read about it. I urge you to read about it. But there were also, you likely know that back in, I'm not sure what year it was, but there was a um, read into the congressional record uh, the testimony given by a gentleman who had studied the communists, in this case it was the Soviet communists, and talked about how they had spelled out exactly how they intend to spread communism in America. It was read into the congressional record, and it was all sorts of things that have already happened. The ideological communist invasion of America is way down the path, and was way down the path, made, made huge progress, before literally millions of Americans even began to wake up to it. When you want to spread communism, you don't do it with bombs and bullets. You do it through ideologies, through surreptitious, deceptive, dishonest ideology. Now I want to turn to something and talk about, we're going to have time, I hope, to hit about what Durham is doing these days, but I want you to think about this communist ideology. I'm, I'm not there yet, so sorry. I'm trying to get to Durham, but I, well, I've got to finish this on the ideology to tell you some of the steps along the way. And I urge you, there's an article linked on our website that was from the Federalist, I think. Hunter Biden's laptops scandal exposes how communist influence operations work. Communists engage in influence operations. You can hear all sorts of experts. When Trevor Loudon was on my show a few weeks ago, Trevor Loudon was, is very, very active in exposing the wide network of actual true believers in communism filling the American government, who would say, if they were in an interview, they'd say, oh, yeah, I love America, red, white, and blue, July 4th, yeah, that's me. But the, how they think is communist. It is radical leftist ideology. And, you know, honestly, for our younger listeners, Bernie Sanders coming along and running for president, you know, there would have been... Have, would have been decades in which someone who's an avowed socialist saying they wanted to run for president would have been laughed off the screen because America, no, no, we don't do socialism. We don't do communism. You can't have that here. But he, but the American culture has been so, so radically pulled to the left, pulled towards socialism, Marxism, communism, that Bernie Sanders has run, I don't even remember, like three times now, and he gets a, you know, growing following among young people because they ha we Americans have not done a sufficient job as we should have done in teaching young people what the difference is between the God-given freedom that we enshrined in our Declaration and Constitution that our country has thrived because of and communism. We have not helped make that difference. But I want to share some things with you what China does. Because it's like one of those things where you're watching, you're thinking, why is that happening? And then you finally realize something, you learn something, and you go, oh my gosh, I just didn't know that. So China has a secretive Chinese government agency called the United Front Work Department, UFWD, or just United Front. And their basic idea, this was developed in the 1930s when the Communist Party is trying to get stronger. They're trying to use their ideological influence uh, 
to spread to help bring people into the party, trying to recruit intellectuals, writers, teachers, students, publishers, business leaders, getting people lured into the Communist Party. And so though that happened within China, and then Xi Jinping, who came to power in 2012, greatly expanded this, uh, this United Front group, um, and also has more and more activities of the United Front group happening outside of China, happening in America, where the influence operation is not someone walking up to say, hey, would you like to join the Communist Party? Because most American, at least politicians, would know to say, uh, no. But instead, trying to, se to sell their communism through the, on the guise, under the guise of saying, yeah, we're trying to build better relationships, so we're going to have a great relationship with you, Mr. Mayor of a small town in Kansas somewhere, or you know, a mayor of a small city, uh, elected officials who can be convinced that China is just trying to build relations and, and build you know, economic uh, development projects that help both of us and build relations and, and build understanding. And people fall for it. People fall for it, and they have sometimes very overt, you know, fly, fly these leaders who, you know, otherwise don't get much attention in the media, fly them to China, let them show this beautiful, whatever they want to show them, you know, some factory or something, and they feel like, wow, I'm a really big international player now. So the point of this, of the Chinese influence operation, is to influence the influence, influencers, to get influential people to have friendly thoughts toward China and to think, well, you know, maybe communism really isn't that bad. I don't know. So John Kerry and Henry Kissinger, two huge people, completely played by, lured in by this Chinese influence operation type thing. And there was a lengthy piece written about this, uh, about Kissinger, who, you know, he was under Nixon and was trying to tell Nixon, oh, yeah, you know, we got to make friends with the Chinese. They're the future. Let's open the door. You know, Nixon's all famous for his uh, reopening the Western world to China or China to the Western world. Kissinger, though, was the recipient of massive effort of the Chinese influencers to bring him along and, and, and to believe communism isn't that bad, or at least to say it isn't that bad. So, for example, uh, Kissinger, in, in 1989, when in China that horrible Tiananmen Square massacre occurred, which you would think a sitting president of the United States would roundly denounce, Kissinger gets on board with George H.W. Bush at that time and urged him to take a lighter response to the Tiananmen Square. And uh, so, I mean, and also things like encouraging the Trump administration not to meet with the Dalai Lama. Trump was the first president since Reagan to not meet with him. The whole point being pushing China's agenda through Kissinger because of this influence operation type thing. I want to turn to money a little bit, though, too, and explain this is, they're not just doing this. The Chinese Communist Party does this through these, you remember we used to talk about the Confucius Institutes on college campuses? Those were Chinese Communist Party influence operations, posing as wonderful places where you build understanding and you build, a, you know, students can learn about China and we have a more globalist view and we're so, you know, we understand each other. I'm not saying, I mean, I, let me make it clear. I love to travel and I, I love to visit other countries, other cultures. I am, I am completely in tune with the idea that there are many other good people and good, and good countries but you have to recognize what China was doing was not simply trying to build bridges of understanding. China was trying to push communist ideology and friendliness toward communist ideas 
through these Confucius Institutes and college campuses, through their pushing of this uh, United Front group to make friends with mayors, small places. I mean, they are, if nothing else, patient. They will push and they push and they push. Or, or relentless would be another word. So they also extended to Wall Street. So a China sovereign wealth fund, China Investment Corps, invested $3 billion, B as in boy, billion, in funding for Blackstone Group's initial public offering. The Chinese government approved BlackRock, another Wall Street firm, to start a private fund business in China in 2017. BlackRock CEO Larry Fink gets an award from the National Committee on United States-China Relations. And Kissinger and the Chinese ambassador Chi Tiangke are in the audience. I'm telling you this because we have to recognize that China is not trying to build familiarity between cultures and friendliness between cultures and racial ethnic understanding. They're pushing communism. And many, many, many highly influential people got duped or lured into participating, encouraging, being involved with, thinking they are the enlightened people in the room. They're a little bit ahead of these average schmoes. Of these average peasant Americans who love America because they're they're you know they're much more worldly of course than we are, so Blackstone CEO Stephen Schwarzman and Fink Larry Fink BlackRock CEO, most vocal cheerleaders for Beijing on Wall Street, uh, Fink again Larry Fink BlackRock CEO, who's also the guy who is pushing the ESG agenda which we may not get to today but I'll talk about that briefly, uh, but. Fink lobbied um, uh, index providers to include shares of Chinese companies traded on mainland China. Um, during President Trump's first term, the Chinese government turned to these people. They have been influencing, uh, including Schwartz, another guy, Schwarzman and Fink, uh, for help during the U.S. trade negotiations, uh, trying to encourage Trump. They're, they're taking China's side unknowingly and trying to encourage Trump not to be so tough on the China negotiations. The reason all this matters so much is because Larry Fink and other very successful, financially successful leaders are not recognizing the communist influencing operation, influence operation to which they're being subjected. In fact, they would be insulted. They'd say, what are you talking about? I know China's communist. I know America's got free markets. But hey, you know, it's all one big thing. They were not ever sufficiently, in my view, immersed in understanding of the profound antithetical nature of the difference between freedom in America, God-given rights to live in freedom, God-given rights to choose your religion, God-given rights to have, not have the government control your life, and what China and communism involve, which is government control over every aspect of your life, or at least every aspect that they want to control. China can shut down the entire city of Shanghai, leaving citizens being treated like zoo animals in their high-rises, screaming because they can't get out because of COVID. No freedom at all. And that is because the, the Chinese communist ideology, the communist ideology generally, doesn't recognize anyone's right to think for himself or herself, to make decisions for themselves. Larry Fink and others subject to this Chinese influence operation, uh, just, uh, it is like, a, I mean, I try to think of analogies that, that will really help make it clear. It's very hard to do. When people are being played, they don't like it. They don't 
like to think they're being played. They don't like to think they're subject to influences they don't recognize because it makes them feel stupid. So they, they dig their feet and say, oh, I'm not being influenced by China's communism. I'm just trying to be an international business guy. But the whole mentality that Larry Fink has been brought into this whole idea of his ESG thing where he's got now, you can't, uh, many investments, many companies are controlled by the standards that BlackRock puts out related to investments and whether companies have a sufficient quota of a certain right kinds of people, uh, the whole diversity, equity, inclusion agenda, the whole ESG agenda, which is essentially forcing corporations to have an agenda that meets the anti-American left's wish list. We'll get more into ESG another day. I can't do it today because I'm getting too sidetracked. But I really want to make clear that this influence operation stuff, if you knew it was happening to you, if you figured it out yourself, you'd be outraged. You would realize, I am, I, I think for myself, I don't want to have, I don't want to be subject or the victim to an influence operation. But if you don't see it that way, you don't recognize what China's doing. You think you're the enlightened one. You're like the smartest one in the room. Well, this is what's happening to, with China's influence operations all over America with John Kerry, with Kissinger, uh, with Larry Fink, with colleges around the country, many of whom have now gotten rid of their uh, Confucius Institutes, but not all. And the whole Chinese influence operation, I, I want to go back and close out this segment by saying this. It's not about making better community relations and better friendlier relations and worlds of understanding between Chinese people and American people. That's not the purpose. It's the stated purpose. It is what lures people into thinking they're enlightened, but it's always and forever when you are a communist, when you are a Chinese Communist Party official, when you're working at the behest of the Chinese Communist Party, your agenda is to eventually eviscerate America, eviscerate the freedom upon which America has, it was founded, eviscerate the concept in America, among the American people, that you have inherent right to freedom. It is to lay the seeds for the push ideologically of having communism take over America. This is what the left is doing. This is what the Chinese influencers are doing. This is why it's so important to understand them. And we'll get into Hunter's laptop another day because we're almost out of time. I do want to get one more story just because I'm very, very excited about this idea and I can't get that much into it, except I want to say I'm pretty excited. About, oh, actually, one other point about this Chinese um, pushing influence. So Governor DeSantis in Florida, uh, who is like the, the, you know, he's the premier leader, seriously, ideologically of the Republican Party, except maybe Trump. And Trump's not really ideological. He's just, he just loves America. And he knows America is good and right and has to be protected. But uh, Governor DeSantis in Florida very recently, and in fact, over the weekend, was announced the state of Florida had rejected a large number of mathematical textbooks to be otherwise used in the public schools because they had in those textbooks, they had critical race theory and the whole anti-American left-wing agenda, which is critical race theory and similar ideas, woven into the teaching of what was supposed to otherwise be a a book teaching mathematics. It rejected, the state of Florida rejected numerous mathematical textbooks because of this ideological invasion of communism or socialism or Marxism, whatever you want to call it, into the public school teaching of math. And lots of leftists are just exploding with anger or, or taunting and ridiculing and speaking of him as always backwards and doesn't understand what a fool he is, 
Friends, DeSantis is right on the money. DeSantis is doing what every American needs to recognize. It is having CRT slither its snaky self into mathematical textbooks is a form of influence peddling. It's an influence operation. It is feeding in the public schools when the state has said, no more CRT in our schools. How about stay away from racially dividing the country? Instead, why not teach America's founding values and the goodness of America? And so the answer of the mathematical, people making mathematical textbooks is to allow this snaky slime of CRT to weave its way into the schools through a math textbook. So this, this is how you have to fight. I'm sorry it is the case. It's how you have to fight. You must stand up. Okay, I only have a minute before our happy radio listeners go off. So radio listeners, thank you for tuning in. Come back. To, we have great guests the whole rest of the week. So come back tomorrow and every Monday through Thursday at 3 p.m. Central Time to America Can We Talk. We're going to have great guests all week long. Uh, you'll just, I, I can't even get, I'm going to run out of time telling you who they are, but come back every Monday through Thursday at 3 p.m. Central Time to America Can We Talk. You can always watch this show on our website, americacanwetalk.org. Also at the website, you can go there, subscribe to our newsletter, sign up to be a member for $50 a year. It is a great $50 to spend, supports this show, and it was a, it's just a great way to be involved. And uh, come back and listen every Monday through Thursday at 3 p.m. Central Time. This is a time for people to be on duty, to be on guard, fighting for America. So thank you, radio listeners. Uh, and for those of you online, I'm going to do what I do at the end of the show. I'm going to tell you why the stories we talk about matter to you. But before we do that, I'll tell you very quickly my story. I have to save it for tomorrow. Uh, but John Durham, uh, who is a special prosecutor appointed under William Barr, is kind of amazing everybody. Certainly amazing me. I thought he would just kind of let it all go, and he hasn't. Well, I'll tease the story and tell you tomorrow. John Durham is getting close to Hillary Clinton, who, more than almost any other politician I can think of, has slithered through the, has escaped what should have been her accountability for a wide number of egregiously, at least unethical, and in many cases, illegal things, Hillary Clinton, he's getting close in the case he has against Sussman. That's all I'll say now. I'll come into it tomorrow. Get to it tomorrow. So I'll tell you why the stories we talked about today matter to you. So we started the show talking about New York Times slams God on Easter. A New York Times publishes an Easter Sunday op-ed urging readers to give up God. That's nice. Never dif difficult to find a writer angry at God for bad things happening in the world. This writer was a former Jew literally angry at Moses because the Egyptian soldiers, soldiers drowned in the Red Sea. It collapsed on them when Moses freed the Jews from, from the Pharaoh. That's what he's mad about, seriously. Now he, he hates God. New York Times choice to publish this screed on Easter Sunday. Actually, I'm not sure if it was, may have been Sunday or Saturday, whenever it was published. And the middle of Passover is not a coincidence coincidence and not just a clickbait technique. It is New York Times advocacy of his worldview and his prescription for solving world problems. New York Times intellectual, um, sorry, someone sending me a text, intellectual retains a hold on many readers, but is morally vacuous and anti-American. Mass cancellation, tune out of New York Times, it'd be a great thing for America. And on Texas busing illegals, the D.C. stunt or strategy, 
Well, see a stunt. Second of Texas busloads of illegal immigrants has reached D.C., third one's on its way, funded by Texas taxpayers. Is that what they want? Symbolic protests against Biden policy that so far cannot be stopped. Lapse of Title 42, immigration limits due to COVID in May will trigger more illegal entry. Current estimate of eventual impact, 18,000 apprehensions per day in Texas, keeping in mind they only catch about one out of three who make their way over the border. So that's who's going to 18,000 we think will catch. Now this is inevitable or naturally occurring or desired by the American people. It's being caused by the Biden policy. This is Cloward Piven. Collapse the system strategy being implemented. The American people are the only solution. They must make their political system work to reflect their will. And on school snooping on parents, intrusive school questionnaires are increasingly being exposed. Questions about parents' religion, politics, social issues, wildly invasive. Some dismissed by schools as ancillary to legitimate provoking of scholarly debate. Others highly suspect as to any purpose other than eroding parental authority. Florida Governor DeSantis openly aggressive in banning CRT from schools, facing leftist mockery. America's schools need a massive U-turn and reorientation as to their purpose. Academic training is very different from ideological indoctrination. Schools need to move away from the latter. Schools need to move towards STEM education, science, technology, engineering, mathematics. And... We talked about communist influence operations explained. CCP and other communists have been on a mission to co-opt and undermine America for decades. They have seen it as requiring a long march through the institutions, and they're doing exactly that. Confucius Institutes all of America are not an accident. Henry Kissinger was an early target for softening anti-China posture. BlackRock Larry Fink, a prominent current target. Spies sleeping with and compromising U.S. politicians for example, Congressman Squalwell, uh, deployed throughout the U.S. Americans are slowly waking up to the fact that they're, they're facing a plan, a war plan, and not a random or unrelated series of attacks on the foundation of their country and freedom. Will enough Americans awaken fast enough and with enough resolve to defeat it? And Mr. Becker, I'm not doing the last slide. So we have one more slide which I will save for tomorrow because I did not get to tell you enough about Durham to tell you about it. So we're out of time for today. My friends, my name is Debbie Georgiatis. Our show is America Can We Talk. I do it every Monday through Thursday at 3 p.m. Central Time to speak up for America, the most extraordinary experiment in human liberty ever to bless this earth. I do this show because America matters. And I'll talk to you next time. Can we talk truth about America?